the gospel. You know, the gospel is like, it's not scandalous because it's difficult. It, the gospel is so scandalous because it is so easy. It is a free gift. And when we tell people that, <clears throat> it causes almost like a pucker effect. You're like, wait a minute. Like, what else do I have to do to get this gift? But that song tonight was just nailing it. You can't earn a gift. A gift is not wages. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There's so many verses. Uh, I think there's actually nine where it describes this gift that's accessed by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. And so when we hear the word of God and faith is birthed in our heart to believe the word of God, something miraculous happens. And it really, I've run into some folks where a message like that really annoys them because there's gotta be stipulations. There's gotta be more strings attached than that. But there aren't. Like that is the good news. We do not wanna like hit rewind, go to the Old Testament where we're sacrificing our pets. Do we? That would be bad news. But this is good news. This is a man who stood in the gap for us. His name is Jesus. And the fact that when we, when we hear of this good news and believe it, faith enters our heart and all of a sudden we're heaven bound, how could you not love him? You can't manufacture that kind of love. You can't self-induce that kind of love or produce that kind of love. Um, I had a, a word for uh, the new year, and it, it's, it's more like happy renew year. Um, and I, and I, f- I felt like the Lord told me alley-oop. You guys know what an alley-oop is? basketball term, right? You know how cool it was the first time you saw an alley-oop on an NBA game? How awesome that was? It's amazing. And the Lord said alley-oop to me. I was like, oh, okay, what, what, what else? And, um, and I started to see that um, we've been really concerned with having perfect aim and getting things right, right in that tiny little basket. Like we've been throwing, we've been believing that everything we have to do is, is gotta be perfect before it's launched. Our aim has to be on point. That's not the case with an alley-oop because the Holy Ghost is gonna be Air Jordan up in the air and he's got a big old wingspan. Okay, so instead of hitting this tiny basket, you gotta hit the wingspan of the Holy Ghost and his angels. And it no longer has to do with having perfect aim. You got to have a little bit of aim. But what I'm saying is that if there's some false motivations mixed in there, go for it. Don't be crippled by your fear. (laughs) Who in here has perfect motivations? Who in here has perfect aim every time they're going to launch a business for Christ? 
sing a worship song to God. And he said, it's, it's not about having perfect aim, but what you have to do now is just have timing. When you see, when you feel, when you hear the spirit rise, you launch that sucker over the, head, over the heads of the enemy and you don't have to worry about it hitting the basket because Holy Ghost is gonna scoop it out of the air and slam dunk it. Your business ideas, even uh, your, your worship, uh, your, your prayers for your family. If you, if you think, oh, I've gotta, I've gotta pray the perfect prayer for this person. No, you don't. You can say boom shakalaka in the name of Jesus. I just felt, I just felt the Holy Ghost, boom shakalaka, save my uncle. <laughs> and, and the Holy Ghost is like, good enough, bam. <laughs> That, that's the word for 2016. I thought that might be a little bit refreshing instead of beating you over the head with Rebucatron 5000. <laughs> oh, man. Tatum, can you come on up here? Come on up, Tatum. Uh, like two weeks ago... Uh, uh, Thursday, wasn't it two weeks or three weeks, something like that, we had people come up, come on up on the stage. Um, we had people come up with, with back problems, and we assumed that several of them would have feet that were of different length. And Tatum came up, and she sat in the front row, and I happened to be uh, the lucky one who held her feet, like right out, while she, we told them to, to, to push their backs all the way against the seat, and hold out their feet, and she rested her feet, her heels in my hands so that we could see uh, if there is a difference in length in her, in her legs. And you know, a lot of times these things are quite subjective to opinion and you're like, if you're at the wrong angle and I'm like, sometimes it's really hard to tell. And I look down, I'm like, oh, <laughs> one of your legs is like two inches <laughs> shorter than the other one. There was no guesswork to it at all. Um, I'm not, you probably didn't roller skate much. No. <laughs> She'd always be going to the right. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I was like, let's, let's, let's just command your leg to grow. Command the short one to grow. And so we're like, grow, grow. And over the, over the course of like 30 seconds, maybe 45 seconds, with her eyes open, I said, keep your eyes open. We want to watch this. Eyes open, we watched that thing go steadily. It wasn't like a, it was grow, grow, grow over 30 seconds and it went. Isn't that awesome? So Tatum, uh, tell us about uh, what happened afterwards. Okay, so after, of course, I was crying like crazy. I, I couldn't believe it because I've never seen a miracle before, let alone it be on me. So I was just like, whoa. And then so the next day, I have a counselor at school who's Christian. So I go into her office and tell her, and she already wants to come to the church. And I told one of my friends who I didn't know, like, would take it, like, if she was going to believe it or not, because I didn't know if she was spiritual wise or anything. And turns out, 
I told her, I tell her about it and she wants to come too. And she's like, this is crazy, Tatum. Are you serious? You're walking different. You're glowing now. And so lately I was been glowing on the inside and on the out, it's coming back. And I've been having a hard spiritual walk. So this just made it perfect again. Wasn't there someone else who noticed? My, my uncle. Yeah, who? What happened? Okay, so we were at CC's the other day. We haven't told him about my leg. And we were, and I was walking inside because I left my purse. And he told my mom, she's, she's walking different. And so my mom finally told him what happened. And she, he was like, are you serious? That's crazy. Let's pray for Tatum because I feel uh, an evangelistic call on her life, and um, I feel like the Lord is going to equip you with many testimonies, not just of your own personal healing, but he's going to show you um, mighty works through the name of Jesus, and you're going to be able to carry those testimonies for the rest of your life and share them with people to produce faith in their hearts. So let's pray for Tatum right now. Right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd mess her up beyond repair with your love. Ooh, you would fill her to full, that she would be completely uncapped and uncorked in the Holy Ghost, and that that evangelistic, prophetic ministry and calling on her life, that compassion that she carries, would turn into souls, many, many souls that we get to party with forever on the Crystal Sea. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, Tatum. <clears throat> I love you guys. <laughs> uh, if you're new, my name is Jeremy. I'm uh, the associate pastor uh, at Storehouse. I'm really glad you're here. Um, but I really do just love you guys. You know, that we, we made it through December. We all survived. Hallelujah. And um, I just, a lot of you I, I haven't seen in forever, and it's just good to be back together. There's something special that happens when the saints regather for celebrating Jesus together. You know, like, we have a Holy Ghost who never leaves and never forsakes, so it's not like we're conjuring him up or anything. But there's something different when we gather. Like Jesus even says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there. And so there's a, there's a, you can definitely tell that there's something special that is released or an atmosphere that is cultivated or, you know, crazy Holy Ghost, you know, liquid in the room happens when we, when we gather together to celebrate him. Um, some of the greatest experiences of my life have been in corporate worship. Can you guys uh, testify to that? You guys ever been in, in corporate worship and you're like, something different is going on? Like a wave or something of the Holy Ghost. I don't, I mean, just you feel like you're about to explode and your atoms are going to go dance around the room like cheerleaders for Jesus. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, 
Well, I do love you, and I was uh, praying about what to uh, talk about tonight, and, and I felt like the Lord wanted to talk about um, vulnerability, um, and it goes along with just becoming tight friends, becoming close. Um, ever since the fall, we have what's known as the Adamic problem of hiding in false identity, because Adam and Eve, they really enjoyed the presence of God, unhindered. They, I mean, they, they, Adam walked with them in the cool of the day. It, it seemed as if like they were co-laboring to increase paradise with the manifest trinity. Like, that's awesome. And then the, sin happened. Obviously, Eve chose badly and Adam followed suit, also choosing very badly and what happened is they hid. Their minds became so darkened in that moment that the God that they knew was everywhere and all loving and perfect and fills all in all, they actually believed they could hide from him. But is there a bush that is not burning with his presence? Is there a rock or a mountain that we can climb under to hide ourselves from him? If we go to the depths of the sea, even if I descend into Sheol, behold, you are there, that's the grave. So where shall we go? Thus enters what I would call insanity to believe that we could actually hide from God, who is Mr. Existence. His word holds up the universe. Your molecules are held together by, by vibration. Science, scientists have gone closer and closer with more and more powerful telescope, or telescopes, microscopes, and telescopes, and, and uh, they've discovered that we're held together by sound. <laughs> that everything is just vibrating with the frequency of the voice of the creator. Where are we gonna run? Where are we gonna, it's like trying to escape your skeleton. How are you going to run away from your skeleton? Behold, he is there. <laughs> and so we, create, we created a false self that many call the sinful nature. We generated a delusional non-reality that we believe is independent of God but from God's perspective, this false character doesn't even exist because we were created in his image. On top of that, those of us who have heard the words of God and faith has entered our hearts, we've been made in his image, born in his image, reborn in his nature. We carry his Nature, his DNA, his love, and his power is flowing in our veins, but we pay homage to this old independent nature and put it on like a Halloween costume. 
And in that moment, what we're doing is re-empowering a disempowered devil to the degree that we agree. To the degree that we agree with the lie will be the degree that we've empowered a disempowered devil to inflict his will upon us. But that old nature has been 100% crucified in Christ. I'm telling you, we get a hold of this message of grace and the easiness of the gospel. It wasn't easy for him. It's easy for us. The easiness of the gospel. And we begin to experience this freedom and joy. But what happens? Like, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Why are we talking about a sinful nature? I don't have one anymore. It's dead. And you get a hold of that and you're like, woo, freedom in the Lord. Thank you, God. My identity is a son of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He who, know, who, he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness. We get a hold of that message and then what happens? Three weeks later, we sin. We're like, and our mind starts to wander off this good news, and we begin to start identifying with feelings of negativity and defeat. And we become, we, we try to define ourselves by those negative emotions that we feel. But, the moment you feel the presence of God again, you're like, idiot. <laughs> Why was I taking myself so seriously? I'm a child of God. Right? Am I, the, I can't be the only one who's experienced that. I'm just like, I'm taking on my old anxious, fearful nature. I'm just a, a sinner saved by grace, struggling for the rest of my life and just beating myself. And then I feel the presence of God. I'm like, I, what? Why did, God, you're good. I can't, that was stupid. Like, <laughs> I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And that depressed, religious Jeremy is gone. I want you guys to know this. Depression is not a fruit of the spirit. You can't find it in the list. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. It, we're happy because he's made us free. Even David was tapping into uh, the the New Testament realm of reality when he's writing some of these songs, he's, he's so tapping into the prophetic that he's talking about the, the joy of my salvation. But it, he still didn't get a full picture because he would begin to say things like, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You guys know that that is not a New Testament song. If you're singing, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me, 
he doesn't know what you're talking about. Like, what? What? Why? Why would I ever? I can't. You're a new creation. Are you going to crawl back up into your mother's womb? How are you going to uncreate yourself? I never leave. I never forsake. See, he is able to keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on him. We believe some wacky stuff. And if we get right back into our, the, the confines of our own powerful mind, as powerful as it is, if we get back into the confines of Western Greek logical thinking, getting into philosophy and, and trying to figure out everything, it, you're, you're going to begin to depart from peace because your mind is not stayed on him. The carnal mind is at war with the spirit of God. We have to have this thing completely renewed. We have to get brainwashed, remember? We have to be washed by the water of the word. He is able to keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on him. See, I don't want to live a life where I'm trying to analyze something that is just supposed to be enjoyed. I don't want the Holy Spirit to drop a bottle of Holy Ghost wine in front of me and me go, hmm, this is very interesting. I wonder forthwith why thine Holy Ghost hath brought this upon such a sinner. This must be the result of the fasting that I've done. Otherwise, I don't know why you would bless me. No, you'd grab that bottle and you drink it and you enjoy the presence of, the, of God instead of trying to analyze it. You know the Holy Spirit sometimes resists pouring out in a meeting because he knows we'll make a doctrine out of it instead of getting sloshed? Here's another one for the new year. Be careful for nothing. Another translation says, be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So be careful for nothing. So if, like in, in 2016, if someone says, take care, say no. Like you're saying goodbye to someone, and they're like, take care. You're like, mm-mm. <laughs> I leave care. Mm-mm. <laughs> be careful for nothing. I'm not talking about be reckless when you're driving, okay? I'm talking about give up on worrying, forsake it okay just get rid of anxiousness okay forget about forget about anxiety call that guy what he is he's a liar and and turn back to god and be like hey anxiety he's a dork isn't he but he has been trying to get me to agree and so i just want to talk to you holy spirit because right now i'm kind of 
you know, I've got finances, I've got family. And you're like, but you're so good, Lord. And as you're presenting your worries, your fears, your anxieties to God, a peace that transcends logic enters. So I told you at the beginning I wanted to talk about vulnerability, and all that was kind of like a, uh, in preparation for this. Uh, pastors are trained by example and by religion and reaction to only share things that don't weaken the perceived character of that preacher. In other words, how vulnerable do you really want me to be? <laughs> Now I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna. I have like boundaries. I'm not gonna just like be an open book. Um, even Jesus knew at times that um, it wasn't his time to die. You know, that he had those angry dudes surrounding him on all sides, and they were about to kill him, like throw him off a cliff, and he disappeared. It's like, mm-mm. I know I'm a treasure, and I know what time is my time, and this is my time. So it's not like he just allowed everyone to beat him up all the time. There's, there's scriptures that you have to receive as, as wisdom, like, you know, don't cast your, your pearls before swine. But an edgy message that a, that a pastor would preach would reveal like a, a past weakness and how I've overcome it and how now you can overcome like I overcame it's another how-to message. You know, the only how-to we have is look at Jesus. It's real simple. Look at Jesus. Get in the presence of God. Stare right at him. And as you're beholding his glory, you will be ever transformed into his glory with ever-increasing glory. And if I'm, if I'm uh, you know, teaching and I'm, I'm only talking about all the things I've already overcome and how I overcame it, what kind of atmosphere does that set for a church? One where struggle has to be a thing of the past. Where, one where like, you, can't, you can't talk about things that are really affecting you right now because you know, by faith, brother, those things, they're done. No, like we really do get in situations where we need one another. That's why we have verses that say things like, confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other that you may be healed. And the one in First uh, uh, John says, he who is faithful and just will forgive your sins and heal you of all unrighteousness. So we actually do need to get vulnerable with each other. I think it would be uh, interesting if sermons got as honest as the Bible is honest about biblical heroes' lives. That's actually one of the things that I love about Scripture the most 
is uh, it didn't it didn't sugarcoat the moment that oh hero King David um, committed adultery and then murdered the the husband of the woman that he committed adultery with because his sin was going to get exposed. We were singing like lines that were derived from some of his psalms tonight. He is like a huge hero, right? He's a murderer. (laughs) Something that I love about that is that means huge mistakes don't disqualify you. Abraham pimped out his wife twice. (laughs) That's the father of our faith. Excuse me if that came off as vulgar. This should give us great hope. I know Richard hasn't done that yet. So we, he, can, he can be one of our worship leaders. <laughs> this uh, self-improvement culture that's invaded the church has helped us get a purpose-driven life and fortified boundaries, but has a as has it actually transformed us into the image of Christ? Both those things are good. I want a purpose-driven life, and I want proper boundaries because my heart's a treasure. And I don't just let anyone in to spray graffiti on it. But I, I can't find many scriptures where Jesus actually talks about um, relational boundaries and um, how to live a good life. He usually talks about letting people in and how to die well. <laughs> some vulnerability there. That's some, that is actually the most terrifying thing. To, to really let people in. See, Paul demonstrated some vulnerability big time when his um, apostlehood, apostleship was contested. And uh, in 2 Corinthians 11, he begins to talk about all the ways that he's suffered. He's like, guys, I get my butt kicked all the time. I'm shipwrecked here. I'm starving there. I've Five times I've received the 40 lashes minus one. I've been beaten with rods. I've been shipwrecked. I mean... He got bit by a poisonous viper. You know, he was stoned and presumed dead, like stoned to death, dragged outside the city like a corpse, and the disciples raised him back to life. And he's getting vulnerable. He's like, this is hard, guys. I'm going to boast in my weaknesses for a second. And at the, at the end, the thing that hits me the hardest, he says, on top of all this, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches. Well, Paul, it sounds like you haven't casted all your cares upon the Lord. No, he didn't. He was being a man. He was explaining the, the travels and the, the trials in his life. He's saying, I, I'm talking out of my mind here for a second, but I'm going to boast in my weakness. And he gets vulnerable because that's a good leader. A good leader doesn't stand over you and tell you how they overcame and how now you can go through the same formula and be as holy as they are. 
And Paul even talked about a thorn in his flesh, a messenger sent from Satan. That, okay, I just want to put that in today's terms. Guys, I know I'm the associate pastor, but I have a demon. <laughs> Do you trust me? <laughs> That's 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. He pleaded with God to take it, and, and God says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then he goes on to say this, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I burped right in the middle of that. That would have been way more anointed had I not burped, man. <laughs> this is Paul again, 2 Corinthians 6.11. He pleads for intimacy pleads for it. This is what he says. We've spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts. These are people that he's laid his life down for and, he's, and you get a glimpse of his heart and he's saying, you're not restricted by me. I, my heart is completely open to you. I give you a behind the scenes look at my life because I feel like I'm a father to you. But you're restricted by your affections towards me. Open wide your hearts, children. Get vulnerable. Jesus, our best example to follow. In Mark 3.14, it says that he chose the 12 that they might be with him. He just wanted buddies. He wanted his own Deuteronomy. He thought into the future and said, Jeremy, that was a great name. I'm going to call my posse Deuteronomy too. <laughs> he, he wanted buddies that they might be with him. Say that, that they might be with him. Say that with me, that they might be with him. And when Jesus' friend Lazarus dies, he's, uh, he's delayed, he, he does what he sees the father doing and he, and he stays where he is for a few more days before going. And when he gets into Bethany, uh, his, Lazarus' sisters come forward. First one is, is Martha, and she says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know, yada, 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 yada. If you say the words, 
I know he'll live. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Actually, Jesus says, if you believe that your brother will, will rise again, and, he's, and she says, I know he'll rise again at the, at the yada, yada, yada. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then Mary comes out, the other sister of Lazarus, and says the exact same thing. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus who just proclaimed to Martha that he is the resurrection and the life. Jesus, who, who knows how to raise people from the dead. Jesus, who like accidentally raises people from the dead. Like he, he's got so much power going on. He's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Go and sin no more. No, he's... he's <laughs> he weeps. In that moment, emotions hit his sympathy like gasoline hits a fire. And although he knows that he is the resurrection and the life and that Lazarus is going to rise from the dead in just a couple minutes, he weeps like a God we've never met. He has so much sympathy, so much love. He's literally overwhelmed by the moment. He's overwhelmed by Mary's crying he's overwhelmed by the mourners who are wailing he's like and he begins to weep how about uh the behind the scenes look of jesus's life when he's in the garden and he's talking to the father this is right before he is about to face the cross i mean they're gonna beat the tar out of him he knew what he was getting into when he came. He knew every stripe, every thorn needle. He knew every punch. He knew what they would, they would pull on his beard. He knew every nail. He knew what he was getting into. And in the garden, he knew it was close. And we get the behind the scenes look and you, you see our savior talking to his father saying, Is there any way that, is there, is there another way? I know, I know this has to be done, but I was, I was just wondering if you've thought of another way. But even so, not my will, but yours be done. Man, that is some vulnerability. Do you think that Jesus felt any gratification over the outcome of Judas? Do you think there is some sense of like, justice has been served? No. He was heartbroken that his attempts at intimacy went unreciprocated. 
that he would be betrayed by a friend, see, that's what hurts the most. Wounds from a friend. That's why vulnerability is real difficult for us. But this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect will pass away. It goes on to say, we will know him. We will fully know him as we are fully known. This stood out to me the other day that yes, God knows what is in the heart of man, but does he fully know you? It's like that, that parable where the people, uh, the guys are coming up to Jesus at, at judgment and, and saying, Lord, we cast out demons in your name, resurrect people in your name. We did all these awesome prophesied in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. He didn't say, you never knew me. He said, you never let me in. You never got vulnerable with me. I don't know you. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You know, there's like four different words for love in the Greek brew. <laughs> This this one is agape. The word, the the love here is agape. And agape love is a little different. It's not a feeling. It's a motivation for action that we are free to choose or reject. Agape is a sacrificial love that voluntarily suffers inconvenience, discomfort, even death for the benefit of another without expecting anything in return. So we are actually called to agape love one another. Through Christ's example, it says in Ephesians 5, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering, and a sacrifice to God. The part of that definition that kills me every time is agape love is a sacrificial love that voluntarily suffers inconvenience. Brothers and sisters, in 2016, I want to be inconvenienced by you. I want us to suffer being inconvenienced for each other. I want us to voluntarily suffer discomfort for one another. We need one another. You know, one of our favorite songs is nothing but the blood of Jesus. Also really important is the body 
that's not how the song goes, but someone should write a follow-up song because Jesus took the body and the blood and he didn't say one was more important than the other. We love to drink the blood, but we hate to eat the body, y'all. Even our crackers are stale. <laughs> Don't get me started on matzah. Who likes matzah crackers for this kind of thing? And you're just like, you've, you've eaten the cracker during communion, and the preacher's praying this long prayer, and you're like, man, just get to the juice part. I got to wash this cracker down. Because we love the blood, but we hate being inconvenienced by each other, suffering for each other. See, we are the body of Christ, right? Nothing but the body of Jesus. <laughs> um, here's what I'm not advocating. Forced intimacy. It's just awkward. Like when, when you know someone is trying to like force a friendship, you're like, man, I love you, but we don't have any chemistry going on here. So like, I, or, or just like that, ah, man, I'm going to step on some toes here. Dudes are notorious for this. Dudes, bear with me. You get together and like the pinnacle of vulnerability and openness in a dude group is confessing, you know, some sexual sin right? And then this, yeah, I'm not saying don't confess it. The Bible says in two different places, confess your sins to each other. But it, it's, it's like this, you just got real open with a whole bunch of dudes. And then, you know, a week later, it, you, you fall in that sin and you come back to your group of dudes and you confess your sin. And then two weeks later, you fall and you come back and it becomes this codependent I'm vulnerable, I'm a mess, someone help me. I'm sorry if that offended you. I'm not advocating being an open book to everyone or submitting to abuse. And uh, the aim of our life is not to gather tons of Instagram followers and Facebook friends. It's to have a few very close friends. Jesus did set an example. He had like 70, there were 120 in the upper room. He had 70 dudes that he sent out in Luke 12, 10, Luke 10, 1. Uh, and he had the 12 that were closer than the 70. And then he had the three, Peter, James, and John. And then it's arguable from John's gospel. He said it himself, I'm the one that Jesus loved the most. <laughs> so Jesus had a best friend. <clears throat> let's say you have like a thousand Facebook friends that live in Dallas and you're determined to be closely related with all of them. You have an eight hour work day. You have a one hour lunch. You spend that one hour with a friend catching up. You get off work and you have a one hour coffee with a different friend. And then every night you have a two hour dinner with another friend. And Saturday you break it up into four sessions of two hour reconnect meetings. <laughs> Sunday, of course, lunchtime with another friend to go deep. 
every 280 days, you have to start over again with the guy that you saw 280 days ago because by golly, you are going to be intimate with every one of your friends. That sounds exhausting, right? I don't think that you're going to accomplish much in life. That won't work at all. We can't collect friendships to try to create some kind of comfy identity in being like the networker of all Dallas. We need a few close friends that just know, they know like everything. They know everything about you. When, When you're down, they know it. Like before you say a word, Maybe they didn't even see you. You're just so connected in friendship. You felt it in the spirit and you called them up and like, hey, just praying and felt like you're having a rough day. Like, dude, I love you, man. I'm having a rough day. (laughs) That's that's what we want, right? We want to be really known by a few people. You can't be really known by tons of people. Although uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the chapter of love, there's no book that speaks about agape love more than 1 John. Two important themes come out of 1 John. The first is that it is inconsistent and false to claim that we agape love God while we do not agape love other believers. Do you know that you, you can't love God? Like it is an absolute lie. You're, you're in delusion about having selfless love where you would suffer inconvenience for God if you don't have selfless love where you would suffer inconvenience for people. The second theme of that book is that it is inconsistent and false to claim that we have agape love for God if we don't obey him. It's impossible to love God while ignoring what he says. I'm going to end it here. Galatians 5.14 says, The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall voluntarily suffer inconvenience for your neighbors. (laughs) I threw that in there. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but that is the definition. 2016, make the closest friends you've ever had or reconnect with some of the the friends that you, you know like God has placed on your heart. You know, he... He promotes through relationship. He's actually, he's actually looking for people around you who have what you want or a, a, have the ability to place you into the career that you want. And, and he's actually looking for you to connect with those people. He's looking for you to fall madly in love. He's looking for you to, ha- to have the bromance of the ages where you just have the closest dude. You know, you guys weep together. You go on trips together. You raise your kids together. Like, he's looking for that. In your life this year. Let's stand up and pray. <clears throat>
I tried to talk really fast and not go on too many bunny trails, but I failed. <laughs> Jesus, this year we ask that you would heal us of our mistrust, heal us of our expected rejection, heal us from every bit, every consequence in our soul, spirit, mind of rejection. Heal us from the consequences of that. Heal us, Lord. Ask God that you would give us great courage, boldness to pursue intimate friendships. Father, that you would anoint us to be vulnerable. Because Lord, we know that in an argument, the first person to get vulnerable brings the anointing to reconnect. Ask that you give us friends that we can really lock arms with, Lord. Friends that fully know us and we fully know them. Ask that 2016 would be a year of the alley-oop where we feel the timing is right and throw a nasty shot as close as we can get. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen.